Howdy, everybody. Welcome to track 14, The Lion, as in Micah Parsons is the lion. Uh, we are ready to shatter some scripts for you guys and go through some NFL recap. Um, got another Cowboys dub 2-0 on the year. Also, our first episode in a while for it was just the Rook and the Kid, the, the founders of the pod, back on it, duoing it per usual. It's good to be back. How are you doing, the kid? I'm doing good. I'm glad your holdout is over. Um, <laughs> I wasn't holding out though. Last week I was a little under the weather, so I got a little sinuses going on. But it's good to have you back. I hope all the money negotiations, everything else, is you know up to par for your sake. And I'm ready to get this pod underway. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, fortunately, all the uh, the money scenarios was sorted out. So uh, very quickly, uh, I'm going to fake an injury. And the NFLPA is going to sue my ass because, you know, uh, I'm faking the injury to get paid further down the road like the running backs are doing in the NFL currently. Uh, but, hey. some pity money. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I know where you're going with that one. But, uh, hey, I'm your host, uh, The Rook, and I'm joined by The Kid. So it's good to be back, uh, like we mentioned earlier. But let's start with some with a shatter the script take. Now. It's always fun because Monday and Tuesday are your days for the undisputed first take, you know, uh, Nick Wright. doesn't really matter who goes up there. Someone's going to say something stupid. Emmanuel Acho, you got to throw him in there too. He always says something stupid. Um, and so we have a clip that is talking about the 49ers and Cowboys that we want to share with you guys. We want to shatter the script for everybody. So let's, uh, let's, let's quickly play this one and – Let's see how it goes. All right. From what we've seen these past two weeks, are the Cowboys the best team in the NFL? Hell no. I mean, hell no. Fight for no damn Cowboys really? right now. Who are we thinking about? Stop it. Listen, excuse me. How about the 49ers? How about a team that's won 12 straight regular season games dating back to acquiring Christian McCaffrey? Mm -hmm. How about Christian McCaffrey being the lead of Russia? How about Brock Purdy being the lead, that lead dude in QBR? How about the fact that they actually went against respectable teams? Now, we all know, as I've told you before, that the Giants ain't nothing but Saquon Barkley in the bag of chips, even though they showed us something different a little bit. Yep, yes, yesterday. they once Saquon Barkley went down. But to beat the Cowboys, Cowboys 40 to nothing. And then, oh the my Giants. God. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You beat the Giants. The Cowboys beat the Giants 40 to nothing. It just stopped the presses. I mean, stop the presses. I don't know if you heard the news. I mean, did you see those New York Jets? I mean, my God, Zach Wilson is quarterback. <laughs> I mean, just stop the presses. It's so impressive that the Cowboys beat up on the New York Jets. As far as I'm concerned, that's a different subject we're going to get into a little bit later because when I look at Salah, <laughs> I'm looking at it from the standpoint where the hell was that defense against Dallas yesterday? That's a different story about the New York Jets. But in the end, Zach Wilson, and I'm going to tell y'all right now, ladies, Ladies and gentlemen, this is New York. If you want to know why Zach Wilson is not that dude in New York, did you see that move that Garrett Wilson put on Trayvon Diggs and then ultimately got wide open on the left side of the end zone and Zach Wilson missed him over through the pass? I'm looking at it. Actually, didn't even throw over, throw, overthrow it. Didn't throw it anywhere near him. And then you're on the bench laughing. You're on the bench laughing and chilling out, whatever. And you missed that opportunity. This is what I'm talking about. It's just some people have it and some people don't. Mm -hmm. But in the end, when I look at the 49ers, we know their defense is elite, their top three. Offensively, we're probably leading the offense. 
and on top of it all, the level of competition, Pittsburgh first, then on the road Is against the Los Angeles Rams. Both road <laughs> games, actually. I'm looking at the level of competition that they've gone against, Shannon. I'm looking at how elite their defense is. I'm looking at how proficient their offense is with Debo, with IU, with Kittle. With We're done. All right. I think he made his point here. Uh, you talked about get, having a guy get a lot of airtime. Um, but, yeah, some key points that he made there that I want to shatter the script on. Uh, I'll kind of headline them for you. I'll let you go first and I'll follow. Is, one, the 49ers are better than us currently. Two, is that <laughs> that our defense is not as impressive as it is because the Jets aren't good and the Giants aren't good. And three, is that throw that Zach Wilson made – was tit, which is and QBR for Purdy. It's actually Dak Prescott at number one at 83.7 and Brock Purdy at 83.6. So based off of those couple headlines, what were, what were your thoughts on the clip? Let's shadow the script here. <laughs> well, <clears throat> for one, he, Stephen A. Smith has always been known to be, you know, the kind of, Cowboys are going to Cowboys. Cowboys are going to do this. Cowboys are going to do that. And there's nothing that has shown in the last two games that there is a team better than the Cowboys front and back. I'm talking efficient on offense and elite on defense. It doesn't really matter if you – good or bad team. When you beat a team 40-0 to – which is not easy to do. You know, shutting out an NFL team, not the easiest thing to do. And you also go in and dominate another team, which they are missing the A-Rod. We're not, you know, saying that. Yeah, that's, we're not discrediting that. Yeah, not discrediting. But, you know, you just look at the, you know, Nick Bosa just got paid. Michael Parsons is going to be paid pretty soon. Michael Parsons is the best defensive player and maybe a top two NFL player in the whole league. I'm going to put my homes at number one just because the we're, we're so afraid should, to say it to take heat, it's, but well, it's, it's just, it's looking, know, it's looking good for Parsons. He's, he's definitely the best player in the league. And, you know, being a Cowboys fan, I try not to, you know, overhype the people on the team, but when you watch Michael Parsons, there's just really nothing that, like you can, he's the one person on the Cowboys, probably him, and besides, besides uh, Zach Martin, that you can really like. Qu- you can't question those guys, you know. More, yeah, there's like more, barely any criticism that you can make for those two players. Zach yeah. Martin, he has more All Pros than he does holding calls, and then Michael Parsons is just dominant on defense, and just it just kind of goes to show you that. ESPN, especially the first take, you know, they added Shannon Sharp. Yeah. You know, he's he's not really been known to be a Cowboys guy. You get these two, you know, big TV personalities who just will not give the Cowboys credit, even though when credit's due. I get it. It's only two weeks in. But yep. to say that the 49ers played good competition, the, the Steelers? Like, yeah, the Steelers what, week one. Yeah. What, what are we doing here? Then they're bring, Then he's his whole point of why the 49ers are better. He's talking about well, they won twelve straight games. 
what are we talking about? Are we talking about last year or are we talking about this year? Because I can t- go bring up teams. Whole new year. You know, you're going to say the Eagles are good because of last year? Eagles looked 20 times better last year than they do right now. And we'll get into that soon. But, you know, it's just points are just very... They weren't, intelli- they weren't intelligent. They were really kind of, you know, kind of thrown out there. Like someone was like, well, why don't you just bring up they won games last year because, you know, for you to diminish the Cowboys, you're going to have to bring up last year. But yeah. if you look at this year, the Cowboys have been the probably the best team in the league so far. Yeah, I find it interesting. You know, you, you bring up a good point. The 49ers haven't played good competition yet. I mean, they played Pittsburgh and – uh, the Los Angeles Rams. And, you know, on our end, you got the narrative was the Giants were going to beat us week one. I talked about it last week and that they won a road playoff game and that you got uh, Daniel Jones, who had earned his contract and all this stuff. And you got Saquon Barkley. You got weapons now for you got Darren Waller. Who's going to cover Darren Waller? Well, you know, John Way Thomas and J. Ron Kirst locked his ass down. And then obviously Aaron Rodgers went down the first week. We go into the next week playing Zach Wilson. We, we knew we were going to win the game. We didn't know how, but we were so confident going into that game because we – and I debunked this last week with the Jets' offensive line. Nobody wanted to talk about this in the offseason, about how atrocious that offensive line has been in the past, and they didn't really do anything to fix it. And Elijah Vera Tucker, I believe, is the, uh, the lineman on their team that has struggled with injuries. There could be another one. I believe it's Elijah Vera Tucker, who's their best lineman. You know – he he's just not getting back on the field. He's barely played, you know, I think 70% of his snaps in the past two or three years. Um, so they just haven't had a healthy line and it's costed them. And so we knew after watching that first week and knowing who Micah Parsons is and knowing that Osa got two sacks last week and uh, Dorrance Armstrong got a, a sack or two. We know D-Law can play hella on the rush defense. We know that Stefan Gilmore and Diggs, as we've been debunking his narrative all last year and this year that he's gotten so much better at defending the passes. You know, it's, it's just incredible to me that the, like the whole point is that they're not giving credit where credit's due. I mean, I give credit to the 49ers. I know they didn't play. I don't want to talk about them not playing as good as competition as me. I just want to say that their defense and their offense and their coaching is very dominant and they look very similar to last year, which is a really good thing for the 49ers. So I'm not discrediting the 49ers at all. But when you bring up this stuff, we have to bring up that stuff to make us sound obnoxious. So that's my debunk, you know, shatter the script thing. You know, you know, just watch the lopsided comments. I get you're trying to make your career off of dissing the Cowboys like every national network does. And I know Stephen A. was the first to get on that wave. But yeah, yeah I just... Think about, when we think about like the Steelers, you know, you watched them even last night. Like they didn't look good at all. They were struggling. Yeah. They weren't moving terrible. the ball. Yeah. They didn't have they, they didn't have like a touchdown, like an offensive touchdown for a while. It was just like, you know, besides that George Pickens play in the first half, they could they weren't moving the ball, and that was against the Browns defense, which isn't bad. It's not a bad yeah. defense, but it goes to show you the level of competition the 49ers were playing. And just because, you know, they're looking at well, last year, you know, this is what happened. You know, twelve they won twelve straight games. Last time I checked, the season started two weeks ago. So, you know, you right. look at that, and then Purdy, you know, Purdy's looked a little little shaky the first couple of weeks, you know, not hitting some kind of intermediate throws that he was hitting last year. Yeah. Um, McCaffrey still is McCaffrey. Ayuk had the big game um, week one. Week two, he was 
his stats weren't there. There was a couple of missed throws that kind of, you know, Purdy missed, and Purdy missed some to Debo as well. And they're, the 49ers are still a great team, but just, you know, out of respect, I see the Cowboys being the better team at the moment after two games. Right. Yeah, and, you know, there obviously has been some limitations to, to Brock Purdy, and we're, we're going to talk about their game against the Rams in uh, just a second, so we'll be able to expand on that more. But let's start with our Thursday night football game. Um, some NFL recap for you guys. Um, we got the Eagles versus the Vikings. So Eagles came out on top in this game 34-28. We saw a little bit more of the same for this Eagles offense, kind of not really being able to get as good of a rhythm in the passing game as they did last year. I mean, they didn't look bad whatsoever. I, I didn't think – I think people were expecting a lot more. But, I mean, Jalen Hurts had that – um, had that deep ball for the touchdown. Uh, uh, DeAndre Swift looked like old DeAndre Swift, you know, pre-Lions disaster. DeAndre Swift, I mean, 27 carries, over, I think over 140 yards. Um, and I think what took the headlines on this game, you know, Kirk Cousins played his butt off. Uh, I think two things. Kirk Cousins played his butt off. You know, over 330 yards passing, four touchdowns in prime time. We all thought he was going to throw a pick. He just fumbled, so we got it wrong. But yeah, uh, turnover, but, but not the turnover we we expected. So headline one on the 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 Viking side is that Kirk Cousins has put up all these great numbers, and he's only had a top fifteen defense one time in his career. So we can maybe talk about that a little bit. And the second is the AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts controversy towards the end of the game. Big deal or no big deal? So what do you think about the Eagles one? Do you think that's a big deal between A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts, or what do you think? Nah, it's it's not. You know, a lot of wide receivers have, you know, expressed their kind of, you know, they've been more to be kind of divas, kind of, especially when a team's not to the point where they're used to playing at. The Eagles have struggled the last couple of weeks, you know, especially on offense. And Jason Kelsey talked about it post game. He was saying, you know, this year they're trying to, teams are trying to play us a little different than they did last year, kind of looking at all the schemes. So they have to make adjustments quite a bit, especially at halftime. Credits and, to the analyst. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, credit you the analyst. At, yeah, credit the, the credit. Sorry. Analyst. <laughs> yeah, the credit. You yeah, know, sorry. it's kind of like with when Diggs called, called uh, Dak a B word or whatever. He was <clears> – <throat> I didn't think anything of it. It's just like, you know, it's competition. That's practice. Yeah. And it's not even – like, you know, we don't even know what was being said actually between A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. You could tell there's a little animosity over there. But, I mean, they're just struggling a little bit. And it's really not going to make make or break this team. It's just literally a 10-second yeah. – argument you know you argue if you're you argue with your boys all the time like it's just kind of that's just how it yeah. kind of goes and you know, yeah there ain't and, nothing to worry about and i will say that's the most emotion i've seen out of jalen hurts in four years um you know just a little bit of a smirk in his face you know in that moment but i i, I agree i think it was nothing to read too much into and you know you know players are going to have their disagreements but they're going to love each other at the end of the day pause but you know, it's it's good to see that J.J. Brown is hungry for the ball. But I think another good point about this game, too, with the Eagles offense is you know, people are kind of criticizing them. We got, you know, two new headquarters, just really not – or offensive coordinators, an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, 
both new. Sirianni's back. He's just a weird coach. He's a very weird looking coach. Looks like he's he's been injected with poison. Um, you know, which is perfect for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but it, you know, it's I think they're gonna be fine. I think Ryan, you know, the the analyst hit it on the nail by saying that, you know, this team is gonna have a couple need a couple weeks to figure things out. By the time they play us, they should have everything kind of well schemed and, you know, corralled and controlled chaos and I will say this I mean their running game looked really dominant and if you can control the clock a lot like we did which we'll get into later um and hold a lead you can't really ask for much else um they were they were really using they were kind of doing what the Cowboys were doing it was kind of taking what was given to them and you know they're trying to the Vikings are playing like two high safeties you know trying to kind of they're like so then, what, what did the Eagles start doing? They just they're like, all right, you know what? Run the ball. You you guys can't stop our run, and they just you know seven straight runs, just boom, boom, boom. I got Jalen Hurts in fantasy. I'm thinking, please pass the ball. I got AJ yeah. Brown. Please pass. Like I'm like, yeah, let's go. And Rashad Penny comes in, doesn't really do anything. You know, DeAndre Swift has to go back in the game, and. I mean, the Eagles just—they have an identity. It doesn't mean they can't throw the ball, but I mean, if you're better at running the ball, why stop? Especially even with the um, what's it called with the quarterback sneak. People hate it so much, but I mean, if yeah, you yeah. Let's it, talk about like, that. Yeah. Like, why? Why would they stop doing it? Because uh, it looks, you know, it's unfair. Blah 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 blah. You know, if you don't want them to run it, do not make it to where. It's third and one, fourth and one, fourth and inches, third and inches. Like if you don't want, if you don't want them to run it, then don't get yourself in that situation. And yeah, I call it how I see it. I don't like the Eagles, but I mean, they run it. If they run it on us, I don't blame them because I'm probably thinking, why the hell do we even put ourselves in that situation? So right, yeah, and it's our it's our job to it's our job to stop it, you know. And if the Dallas was really good at it, I would be glad that they were doing it. You know, if your team was that good at a QB sneak and you knew it was a guaranteed score for your football team to get under center at the three, the two, and the one, if you got one, two, three, three downs to go to get three yards and you were 100% confident in your team to do it, dude, you'd be happy. You'd be so happy. So the fact that this is happening to other teams and they think it's just, it's all unfair until, you know, like you said, two wrongs don't make a right. You know, if, if, my team was doing it really well and Jalen Hurts' team was doing it really well. You know, both those wrongs don't make a right, but they're both not wrong anyway. So, it's like, I mean, dude, if it works, do it. I mean, why else run an offense? You know, well, if, like, if you were like, running an offense to hopefully not make something work, then why would you run the offense? It's kind of like, you know, just because we don't see Debo as a like, top wide receiver, you know, doesn't mean he can't play running back. You know, if he, he that's what makes Debo so great is because he can play running back. Like I guarantee, if you told him, if you were like, "Well, we're, we he can only sign this contract if he can't play running back," and then you'd be like, "Why, why the hell would I even sign him?" So then I, it's like there's nothing wrong with like doing it. I'm just saying, like some people are just better at doing certain things, and the Eagles really got the quarterback sneak down. If I was him, I'd run it all the time. Screw it. You want you don't want us to do it? Stop us. Yeah, exactly. All right, and then let's give our last. Let's give a little analysis for uh, for old Kirk Cousins. I, I thought he played 
pretty decently well, but if you watch the game, you know, he was he was down 27 to what was it? 27-7 at one point and yeah, it turned great. into 34-28. So you you have to throw to get yourself back into the game. You're going to be playing softer coverage and stuff like that and and that's a double standard I'll have to keep track of because I know what you're thinking right now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the truth. And you're going to play softer coverage. Your defense is going to loosen up. Uh, they're going to play further back on the line of scrimmage. They're going to be expecting the pass and they're going to play bend, don't break. So you're going to get your passing stats up. That's why CJ Stroud had as many passing yards as he did. But you know, Kirk Cousins inflated his stats just like our economy. And, you know, I don't, I still don't think he performs very well in prime time. I thought he folded early. He didn't, it took a long time for him to get rolling, which is another thing that you like to hear. And I mean, I'm, I'm speaking your language today. Uh, yeah, no, but I can, I can tell. hey, good numbers in the stat sheet. Good for your fantasy team, even though I benched him for Jordan Love because I was not confident in Kirk Cousins. Uh, but yeah, what was, what's your final analysis on Kirk Cousins? And then we'll transition into uh, our next game. Uh, Kirk Cousins, he played um, actually a lot better than I expected in prime time. Not saying it was great, wasn't fantastic, but you know he played solid. There was a couple of moments in the game where um, the offense didn't look too swell. I think sometimes they kind of like with Jetta, you know, Jetta he missed a touchdown basically, and that kind of Changed the whole momentum of the game because I would have made it 14 to 10, uh, 14 to 10 Vikings. Next thing you know, they're touch touchback, and then Eagles are going back on offense. And I think they scored, or I'm not, I'm not too, I don't remember too well, but mm-hmm. and then you had like the Madison fumble, and I think they fumbled on like a punt return. Yeah, I think so. Uh, they just, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did the the touchback, the fumble, and then Kirk Cousins' fumble. Yeah, they just couldn't. They couldn't. And then Madison fumbled. They almost had two fumbles. I have on fantasy too, and it just, you know, they just didn't play too well. But if I had to do, if I had to pick like a, you know, a bright spot in their offense, I I would say it was probably Kirk Cousins. Or maybe Justin Jefferson, kind of towards like beginning the beginning of the game, but they have a the Vikings have a real weird issue with Jetta. I don't get it, but they'll like force feed him in the first half, and then the second half they'll just stop throwing at him. Like they'll just stop throwing it, and I don't know if it's because like they want to, like they don't want to wear him out. But you know Justin Jefferson, he's like <coughs> the modern day Julio Jones gets force fed and then just they just stop throwing the ball. Next thing you know he's like two hundred and eighty yards, no touchdowns, and you're like what the hell? And it's so yeah. weird. They they do it all the time. Well I think they stopped throwing to him because he lost his chain on the field. I think that was why. Yeah, I mean, he lost all his swagger, so next thing you know they don't want to throw him the ball and he's L <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's move on into the Chiefs versus Jaguars game. Um, so we had Patrick. It was seventeen to nine. Ja- uh, sorry, seventeen to nine Chiefs. You know, Jaguars. I think they're they got a good roster. I'm not sure how many games they're going to win. Um, you know, the Chiefs. They're looking real scrappy right now. Um, 
you know, Trevor Lawrence didn't look great in this game, but he didn't look awful either. Um, I think they struggled to get guys like Calvin Ridley involved. Um, the ground game wasn't working. So kudos to the Kansas City Chiefs defense there. Um, I, I still think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a good year. Uh, Mahomes has kind of had some early struggles, but he looked pretty decent in this game. And with uh, Travis Kelsey on a pitch count, and they try to connect with one another a couple times. Uh, dude, Travis Kelsey got blown up on one of these catch attempts. It was towards, it was in the red zone. You remember, I think, yeah, so Mahomes chunks it left side. <laughs> Kelsey goes up like 10 feet up above the air, and I think three defenders completely uh, decapitate him in midair. And I was like, yeah, like his night's, his day's probably done after that one. But that's cool. That's what happens when people find out you're dating Taylor Swift. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might you might have a little bounty on your head because I think a lot of people wish they were in his position, and you know they they're like, oh, you're dating T Swizzle, and then next thing you know, they're like, oh, well, look at that, bam, and then <laughs> you know. How- yeah, I know it was. Uh, yeah, Kelsey scores. Kelsey finds a blank space. Which I didn't even get the reference because I don't listen to T-Swift. But It took me a minute, too. I, I mean, I literally had to wait until somebody told me what it was. I was like, because I, 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 I don't, I despise Taylor Swift. Uh, but, <laughs> whatever. But, uh, hey, Kelsey scored. That's good for fantasy owners. Uh, not too many bright spots with the uh, Chiefs receiving core. A little hope with Sky Moore, but... I don't think there's any – you think there's any reason to worry about Calvin Ridley? I personally don't. I think he'll be totally fine. Yeah, so they – you know, the the Jaguars, they, they had a lot of opportunities to get points on the board and, you know, win this game. They had, I think, four drop passes that were – actually, they were, they were caught, but they couldn't get their feet inbounds. You know, you had like a Calvin Ridley, you had like a Zay Jones. I think it might have been two Calvin Ridleys. Yes. Yeah. And there was one more other guy, but they just couldn't, you know, get their uh, feet down. And kudos to the secondary for the Chiefs who were using the back of the end zone as like an extra defender. Um, but yeah, Calvin Ridley, he's going to be completely fine. You know, they just, he catches those balls, that's pause but two that's two touchdowns and Mm. there's this just because you know this guy's like he's not gonna put up over 100 yards every single game but you know come back uh come back to me in about 15 weeks and watch him have 1300 yards and like nine (laughs) touchdowns so we're calling it right here and if you guys you guys need someone on fantasy i would say He's probably – people are still trying to sell him pretty high. But if you have people in your league who don't really know what's going on <clears throat> and after that game and they're just like, I'm tired of him, go, go get him because he will help your team out tremendously. You never know until you try there. You never know until you try there. You never know what somebody's thinking about a player. But, yeah, I thought – yeah, you know, I, I thought Trevor Lawrence, he looked all right. And it's a tough defense apparently, you know. Uh, I think he'll he has an easy division to to play against this year, so I'm sure he'll be all right. They'll probably make the playoffs. Um, I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders, 
obviously. But uh, Chiefs got a lot of work to do as well. They need to try um, for a wide receiver. Yeah, Kadarius Tony, you are a free agent. Kadarius Tony, you are a Shinhane shark. <laughs> Time to learn Chinese, buddy. Yeah. Well, let's get into the Rams versus 49ers. Uh, 49ers 30, Rams 23. Purdy kind of struggled in this game, it seemed like. Um, like you were expressing earlier in the Shadow of the Script segment, and I saw it too, I just see limitations in Brock Purdy. I still see a rookie, uh, you know, what's the phrase that they always use? I, I'm blanking. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, type player. I don't really see a, a leader, a game changer. I see someone who has to – I see a 2016 – Dare I say, no, I wouldn't say 2016 Dak, but I would say someone like him who is purely just kind of, I don't know, he's surrounded with a good offensive line and a good running back. But he, unlike Dak, when in 2016, he has just outs, he doesn't have leftovers. He has outstanding weapons like like Brandon and I. Like a 2017. Alex Smith. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, it just nothing really. I think the Dak comparison is a bad comparison. I think Dak played exceptional in 2016. I was trying to think of somebody like some rookie who was just placed in some really good situation. Well, Dak. Like, yeah, but I'm saying, but Dak elevates, you know, he, he clearly made a jump. I just don't see it happening with Purdy. I, I, I just, I don't know. I don't see well, like it yet. The the Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, yes, you got to tell it how it is. The <clears throat> Like Purdy, you know, he has been struggling. And he does seem like he has some limitations. It is his only second year. You know, the sophomore slump, which is a real thing in the NFL. A bunch of quarterbacks go through it all the time. You know, you had, you know, Baker Mayfield. Dak, like all those guys, they all went through some slumps. Yeah. But, you know, he's always – there's a reason why he was probably a, um, you know, last pick in the draft. It just happened to be, you know, he goes to the 49ers, and now they're like, Mr. Relevant, Brady. It's like, okay. Hold the brakes. You know, it's, it's not that – yeah, because, you know, if I had to do a quarterback rankings, I would have him in my 20s. I'm not going to have him, you know, he doesn't do anything really exceptionally well. Unless, you know, unless you want to, you know, take over on that part, I just don't see what he actually does. That's just like, whoa. Yeah, the, that's that's my whole point. I just think he's limited to himself, and there's no way he'll probably get to, and, you know, hopefully he does. Um, just for a personal, like for just him personally in his career, but I don't think there's a way for him to be able to play outside of himself and really branch out. I just think he's going to have to be a, you know, very consolidated player um, and kind of a really limited player when it comes to a scheme. You know, it's he's if you're getting down in the game, Brock Purdy's not going to throw you back into it. He's a guy that's going to thrive when he has the lead because he doesn't do it he doesn't have to do as much but luckily for him he's got a roster like the 49ers 
and a defense like the 49ers and a coach and a scheme like the 49ers have to not put him in those situations 75% of the year. So he's going to look like he's good, just like Jimmy Garoppolo. Like he's going to look like he's good. He's going to, his stats are going to say he's good. They're going to put his QBR up next to people like Dak Prescott in the future where it's like, okay, wait, or Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins when it's going to be inflated. If you've, it's all about like you, it's like what you said, watch the games, you know? Uh, who, do you, who do you think has a better situation right now? Dak or Purdy? Better situation right now, I think. The Cowboys' defense—it's tough. It's tough to say whose defense is better, but right now it looks like the Cowboys' defense is better. Um, however, when it, in terms of weapons on offense, I think the 49ers have his beat when it comes to weapons. I just think there's—they got a better tight end, they got a better running back, they got a a really solid uh, wide receiver core. You know, I don't think any of those receivers are better or close to as better as C.D. Lamb, but Ayuk's very solid. And Debo's a great athlete, but not a great wide receiver. And, you know, you got a nice little third guy in there. And their scheme elevates them a lot like Dallas's this year. I think the scheme has ele- – we're getting to that in a minute, but the scheme has elevated Dak in a good way, uh, in a great way. So I think Purdy's in a little bit better situation because, one, there's less pressure on him. And, two, you know, Dak has a, a, an unexceedable amount of pressure. Uh, on him this year. I mean, it's Super Bowl or bust for him. Super Bowl or he's gone. Everyone's going to say, no way, Jose. Uh, I think So I think I lean Purdy uh, very, very slightly, but in terms of his age, in terms of his progression as a, in, a career, in his career, I don't think so. I, I, think, I think Purdy has a little bit more on his side. But um, I don't know what you think, but then if you want to transition into the Rams and what you thought of them, what you think of that team, you know, they're one and one got, you know, Stafford throwing 70 times a game. Well, yeah, know. you know, they they have Cam Akers is on the trade block <clears throat> now. You know, he was a uh, DMP on Tuesday or sorry, on Sunday. And you saw what he you know, with these injuries that are kind of going around the NFL right now, you know, he's probably going to get, you know, traded pretty soon, probably like a fourth, fifth-round pick, uh, maybe even six. Uh, you know, they have Cooper Cup on the IR right now, but they have that rookie wide receiver from BYU, Puka. Puka. Is he dude, white? He looks – he's from nah, – he's, I think he's Samoan. Okay, because I was going to say – Stafford is a racist quarterback. We remember the Allen Robinson woes last year where he had to wear white sleeves to get the ball. So I just wanted to No, yeah. I, I looked at his profile picture. He looks like he's like in between. He looks Samoan. But Yeah, I think he's me. I think he's Samoan. But he probably wears white sleeves for a reason. I think the I think the Rams have only worn the white, white jerseys. I think they've yeah. only worn white jerseys this year, so that might be a reason why. However, <laughs> however though, the um yeah, Puka, you know, he's had 15-plus catches, I believe, or two games in a row. Yeah, that's correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine having Cooper Cup, who is the fantasy god, triple crown wide receiver, and then they bring in this 21-year-old or 22-year-old rookie from BYU named Puka, and this dude just same kind of production – yeah, catching wise as Cooper Cup, but 
he actually doesn't even play like Cooper Cub in a like they don't play in the same positions. Um, if I if I read the stat correct, they had Cooper Cup plays. You know, all around. You know, yeah, he's in the slot. He's on the outside. Yeah, and I think I think this guy's just strictly in the slot. Like he's only in the slot like eighty percent of the time. And Matthew Stafford looks like you know he's. Yeah, he's got a little bit left in the tank. Don't don't sleep on. He appears stat. healthy. They yeah. they weren't kidding when they said he was healthy. So I think he I think he's feeling all right. <laughs> he throws sixty times a game. I mean, has he thrown he sixty times a game? Well, he threw fifty five last game, and I think he threw close to forty the game before that. So yeah, he's need, he's throwing go, a bunch. I need to go pick him up on fantasy, bro. Holy shit! Yeah, well, I'm hoping that uh, I he I'll pick him up in our twelve man league. You know, this is a different league than. The track league, but you know, I'm rolling with Kenny Pickett right now, which you know, my agenda. But uh, yeah, no, I, I I think that uh, the Rams could be a, an eight to nine win team this year. Uh, 49ers rolling that division. Uh, it, nothing really special, but it's good to see that my, Matthew Stafford's healthy. Matthew Stafford, you are a Dallas Cowboy next year. You are a Dallas Cowboy. <laughs> All right, and then let's touch briefly on this game because honestly, nobody really cares. Uh, but the Commanders Broncos, um, I just I, I wanted to throw this game in there, or we did because uh, the hail mary that happened at the end, which was pretty hilarious. You know, it made a really crappy game, not crappy game, but it's just it's just like two two completely irrelevant teams, like just skirmishing at one another the commanders versus russ cooking well and yeah go ahead what's what's kind of funny is that the you know if you want you know they had the hell mary then they need the two-point conversion and then the two-point conversion they um didn't like there's a little bit of there probably should have been a flag on the play and they didn't call it they lost the game and they're like oh it's because of the refs you really can't blame the refs in that situation because the Broncos were up twenty-one to three, and they blew the lead, and then they had to t- take it all the way down where the Br- the Broncos itself had to throw in hail mary. So you get the hail mary, and then there wasn't a flag on. It was a little bit of pi on two point. Didn't call it, and they're probably yes. like eh, Rams, Rams, Rams. It's like why'd you even blow a twenty-one to three lead team and begin with? Exactly. Like, you don't deserve to win that game. Like that's why what, I didn't call the penalty. Like, what the hell are we even talking about? Like, you know, <laughs> don't don't be blowing twenty one to three leads, and then thinking, oh, I have the right to blame the ref because after the hail mary that Russ Gus bust through, that we get the Russ pi. Bust you know, don't put yourself in that situation. Don't rely on the refs to make a call because you know they've been known to not make the right calls so try not to put yourselves in situations where they can control the game yeah yeah exactly i mean that's just the end lp y'all they, they didn't deserve that call because they blew that lead i mean to sam howell and ron rivera that's just that's nasty work uh but hey brian robinson looks good uh many men uh that dude looks looked like many men running the football um He's totally surpassed Antonio Gibson, who I think needs a new team. I think he's a, a pretty decent running back. Uh, but, hey, Brian Robinson looks really good. Um, 
And the commanders, you know, they might go over on my projection. I said they were going to be like five and 13. Um, Uh, And I still think they'll probably be around that. I still think so. It's early. They've had it. They had a couple easy games. You know, they had the, they had the Cardinals and then they had the Broncos, you know, the Cowboys about to, I'm going to feel sorry for the Cardinals on Sunday, bro. That is going to be a, yeah. Here's what we're expecting for that. Just real quick. Well, oh, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Uh, yeah, come on. Um, all right. Sunday night football recap and predictions. Before we get into it, we want to run through our score predictions. So we're going to do this every week and we're going to keep a record of it at the end of the year. Um, I guess the winner will get reins of the pod, but who knows? Uh, so we're two and zero. That's the first thing you need to know. Obviously, we all took a Cowboys dub on Sunday night. Uh, last week in week one, uh, this past week we had the kid predicted 31 to 21 Miami. The analyst predicted 34 to 21 Miami. The medical guy picked 30 to 24 Miami. And I picked 24 to 16 Miami. So the entire track team is two and zero on Sunday night football predictions. And we'll be keeping record of that as we go on. But to recap the dolphins, Patriots game. We had the big flea flicker, the massive flea flicker. And watching the big man rumble. Get out of the big man. Hey, Push the pile. Hey, the flea flicker, bro. Best play in any playbook you can have. The freaking flea flicker. <laughs> and I'll tell you what. One thing I want to take from that game. The rookie Christian Gonzalez. That guy is a dog. That is say it. it. Say the phrase. Which he phrase? Clears. Oh yeah, he he. <laughs> nah, he's fucking good. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He clears. He's good. He clears. Yeah, that that dude is a dog, and he's only played two NFL games. But just seeing what he's doing, what he did last week against the um, the Dolphins itself, Tyree Tyree Kill and Waddle. That Pretty dude's. Good. I, I knew it was a good pick when they got him, but I didn't expect him to be like this so quickly. Shout out to the Patriots and Christian Gonzalez for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, hey, Miami 2-0, I think Mike McDaniel has improved as a head coach. Um, I think they, they're probably going to be – I think they have a good chance to win their division with the Bills um, and Patriots. I think the Patriots are going to be that mediocre team that'll be, they're not fun to watch whatsoever, but they might win a couple games where you're like, oh, they shouldn't have won that. Dang, they actually might be good. I might go get one of their receivers out of the free agency and spend some FAAB, you know, budgeting points on them and be like, I can't believe I just spent my money on that dude. Uh, so they'll be a seven to nine win team, but hey, Miami. They're looking, looking really good. Tua, Tua figured it out, like to your credit, figured out that uh, to release the ball, he shouldn't release it up here. He should start releasing it right here, and he maybe should, he can get a little bit more zip yeah. on the ball. He should run up and just like, like throw yeah. it kind of like a baseball. Yeah. Like, you know, fling it. You know, why? Like, you know, you watch Tua throw the ball, and he kind of has a, no disrespect, but he has a noodle arm. So he's over here trying to like, Throw off his back foot or kind of like, you know, yeah, like, in the pocket. You know, he's because he's throwing it like like this, not like that. So then it's like, you know, he found out he just if he just runs up and just like throws it like forward, 
Yeah. Got a little zip to it. You know, he throws like about an extra 15 yards because he's only throwing about 35 before that. Yeah, but last year he was, yeah, last year he was throwing with like arc instead of trajectory. You know, like watching Russell, Russell Wilson has a great deep ball, uh, but he throws it with both arc and trajectory. But when you watch like the elite quarterbacks uh, or the strong, the arms, the quarterbacks with stronger arms, they'll put just trajectory on it. Down the boundary, not to the boundary. You know, that's yeah, the cardinal yeah. rule right there. I'll, I'll give Tua one thing. Yes, he does have a noodle arm, but that man is very accurate when he gets some time in the pocket, and he's like very – he's a very accurate quarterback. But, man, when it comes to deep ball accuracy and having – you know, if he has to really put some little mm to it and there's maybe a little pressure in his face, yeah, I don't trust him, bro, especially with them. Yeah. And he has some speed racers on the outside, and it's just – yeah, yeah. Ooh. Uh, so all right. So up upcoming, we got the Steelers and the Raiders. Let's predict the final score outcome of the upcoming Sunday Night Football game. That sounds so much fun to watch. Wait, Steelers and Raiders are. That's Sunday the Sunday Night, Night Football, Football game. Unless they got flexed out. No, nah, they can't flex out until like like week like eleven. <laughs> Wow, okay. Man, talk about dog shit. Um, all right, I'm going to take, you know, they they played, they played on Christmas, I think, last year too, and it was just absolutely horrible. This is a tough game because both teams could play extremely shitty. All right, I'm going to go 2017 Steelers. Okay. 2017 Steelers. I'm gonna go sixteen to thirteen Raiders. Oh this man, just, what a what a horrible yeah. Sunday night game, bro! Might, what a might, horrible game. Chris Collinsworth. Chris Chris Collinsworth will not be saying the word remarkable in tonight's if, game. If, in that if game. I if I did not run a pod, then I would not be watching it. But out of respect to the pod and sports fans and people who listen, I will watch the game. No, I do not want to. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I would rather watch nothing like watching Kenny Pickett and Jimmy G Sunday night after watching your fantasy football team just get absolutely rocked during the day. You know how you're going to end it? With a bottle of scotch and watching Jimmy G and Kenny Pickett battle it out Sunday night for this Collinsworth. Bring it, God. Bring it all. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Rumble, young man, Rumble. You're welcome, America. We're watching it for you guys, so you don't have to. Son of a gun. I'd rather play Rocket League. Uh, All right. Well, let's see if we can go 3-0, and we'll get the medical guy and the analyst projections um, as we go along. Let's get into our favorite primary segment, of course, the 325 game, tracking the boys segment. Dallas Cowboys dub, smoking that Jets pack. 30 to 10. This was a piece of cake. Um, we all kind of know the the whole gist of everything that Zach Wilson, Jack, Zach Wilson struggled a bunch. Um, their run game was nothing. They abandoned it, abandoned the run game very early. But there are some things that me and you wanted to talk about specifically, and I, I wanted to give you first dibs on it with the red zone offense and the play calling. Because obviously we all took most of Cowboys Nation took took way with criticizing the red zone offense and play calling. Uh, what were your thoughts on the play calling? And then any anything I missed with the general overview, just take it over, brother, and I'll follow up. 
Yeah, so with the Cowboys, you know, once again, defense played phenomenal. Nothing to really kind of <laughs> – there wasn't really any, you know, critique. You know, the besides Garrett Wilson beating Trayvon Diggs a couple of times, you know, there really wasn't much. It kind of – we kind of started to see that. I don't know if it was just going to be for the Jets game or kind of moving forward. It was a little bit more in the <coughs> – a little bit more in the Giants game too. But I think they're starting to attack – Gilmore over Diggs, which was one of those things where I was like, yeah, to kind of figure out what they're gonna do before the season. Now going back to that red zone offense, Mike McCarthy, what the hell? What what are you running in the red zone? Why? <laughs> why in the world? We're on the one yard line. We got Hunter Lepke in the game, but we have him. In the tight end position, kind of. And then we, we were basically running like a veer offense. Yeah, we ran like a slot T. We basically put, we put, uh, what's his name? We put Hendershot in the Ike, you know, and then we ran 49 buck with Hunter Lucky <laughs> blocking for him. And then it gets nowhere. So then they're like, okay, whatever. Then they run a, a just fullback, or not fullback, but just a handoff in the middle with uh, Doddle, whatever his name is. Doesn't get anywhere, and then next thing you know, it's just field goal. And I'm thinking, you know what? Jets are not going to keep up with those. We might as well just go for it. Nope, we kick a field goal. It's like, alright, whatever. Just chalk it. Next thing you know, we go back, and we're in the red zone again, and they're like, it's like third down, and I thought Kellen Moore wasn't on the team anymore, but everyone's just running like out routes and like little rub routes to the sidelines i could have swore i heard y'all for like 50 years say that kellen moore was calling that shit and then it was gonna go away and then next thing you know they're still doing it in the red zone and it's just i'll tell you what if you if you're a cowboys fan it's not too early to get worried but there was a lot of kind of questionable there's no reason why a cowboys team should be kicking five field goals Especially when like four of the field goals were inside the like seven yard line, you know. I'm yeah. not saying they got to run up the score, but if we're inside the ten yard line with our offense, we should be, you know, if we get in five times, we should at least score. Or if we're inside the five yard line, we should score a touchdown four out of five times. Maybe kick a field goal, turnover sometimes happen, but you know, red zone offensive play calling so far for Mike McCarthy has not been his strong suit. Yeah, I thought it got too cute. I thought we gave Putin Hendershit a weird, you know, reverse and Rico Doodle, you know, missed his gap completely. He could have scored if we ran up the middle. Uh, yeah, the, but the general overview is that it got too cute. Um, Dak Prescott missed uh, a, an easy touchdown pass to Jake Ferguson that was just out of his reach, and CD Lamb was open wide up on the other side of the field. So that's something to keep in mind. I think that I think that it's important to realize that we're capitalizing off of turnovers with at least some points. And I think that McCarthy, I think the only positive thing to take away from this, if I can think of anything is that points were put on the board every single time. There was never a turnover. There was never a risk taken that we thought we had to take, even though we got a turnover uh, from the defense or whatever. I thought we just took what was given to us and We'll talk about it when the analyst presents his stuff, but I agree with his point on 
just the offense not showing its true colors quite yet because they know that they had won those first two games very early on in the game. Just kind of being that real conservative time management, time of possession, control the clock, uh, tire out your defense type of thing. But nonetheless, there's not much positive to say about the red zone play calling in the first two games. Um, I thought we got a little too cute and we missed some opportunities there. And I didn't like the the route schemes closer to the goal line. And just kind of but, even, um, I guess they were just trying to, they didn't really care about converting third downs, but you know there was one. There was one drive. I think it might have been after a turnover, just maybe after a punt. But they were, you know, not really. Didn't even seem like they were trying to get a first down. I think they were just trying to like, like it's like third and ten, and they all just ran like out routes, like four yard check down. And I'm like, bro, are yeah. you are you guys at least gonna try to get a first down, like? Not saying you have to go air raid, but just like what what are we doing? I, I don't yeah, know, man. We we had that one offensive possession that reminded me to where uh, we ran three straight plays, and all three plays nobody ran even close to the sticks. Not one person ran for a first down in their route, <clears throat> and I thought that was very strange. Um, but we'll, I'll get to it. Uh, more on my thoughts on the offense when we get to uh, Dak on track segment, the little mini segment we got coming up. But, hey, look, no turnovers. Let's talk about the defense. You know, pass rush efficiency was was there. Micah Parsons was almost sacking the quarterback every single play. Pressure was good. Hey, D-Law made some statement plays in this game um, to support your all of our genders, but mainly yours. You're the one that kind of started talking about it. Uh, just being him being the most one of the most elite run defenders in the league, you know, three INTs, Parsons with two sacks, a fumble, forced fumble, and fumble recovery. Let's talk about the defense. What did you? What were some positives? But what were some negatives? Um, so kind of with the negatives, you know, sometimes your tackling, especially in the second level, wasn't up to par. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of hard to kind of judge this team, especially when they, you know, they're almost, you know, there's like, if you watch the Cowboys, they're almost, there's like a 40% chance every game that they might get a defensive touchdown. And that just comes with, you know, the ball hawks on the outside, then they have the playmakers inside. You know, it's crazy with, you know, week one, uh, Michael Parsons, you know, makes Daniel Jones rolls out and then he throws a pick to Gilmore. The next week, he does, he makes Zach Wilson roll out of the pocket because he's chasing him. And next thing you know, he throws a pick to Kearse, or Jerome Kearse, whatever his name is. And you know, you look at it and then Coors, they're not going to be turnovers for someone like Micah. But then that just kind of shows you about someone like Michael Parsons and his dominance to a team and why he is the best player in the uh on the defensive side of the football in the league is because of things like that because you see you know what he does you know he has a breaks he you know sheds the tackler and then he tackles Dalvin Cook for a loss yeah after he chased him down then he strips it and then but wait there's more (laughs) barely gets touched by a lineman before he scores a touchdown and he, you know, he like jukes out one of the guys and he's just, yeah. 
you know, I've I've been seeing a lot of people, especially people who did see this guy play. They're saying this is like, you know, when his rookie year they talked about he was like Lawrence Taylor. People are like, ah, whatever. And then now they're like, I don't know how, but he's gotten so much better. And he start, he really does. You know, they haven't seen someone, you know, control a game on a defensive side like him since Lawrence Taylor, which gives major props to Cowboys and Dan Quinn's system and, you know, bringing all the guys together, D-Law, uh, Van Der Esch, Damon Clark, Diggs, Gilmore, Jerome Curse, yeah. like, Fantastic to watch. Um, I'm, yeah. trying to, I'm trying to think of negatives, but you know, besides Trayvon Diggs getting um, shook a little bit, there's not really much I have to critique this defense after the first two weeks. Yeah, I, yeah, and I think what was I pointed it out while we were watching the Cowboys game is that Tony Roma was dogging on Trayvon Diggs that during that <laughs> game. Um, and I thought he covering a receiver like Garrett Wilson is a very tough thing to do, obviously. And I think he basically was on him most of the game. And the one time he came off of him was when he was able to score on Gilmore. Gilmore allowed, I think, both of Garrett Wilson's catches, I think, unless that was Lazard. I think, no, two, I think both of Garrett Wilson's catches came off of Gilmore. Um, however, Diggs was cooked on the goal line there, and that ball was tipped. However, if it wasn't tipped, I'm sure it would have been a touchdown and we would have gotten a lot of uh, tweets at us um, about how Trayvon Diggs is so terrible. Um, because God forbid a quarter a, a cornerback uh, get cooked even once, you know. But um, I thought he played pretty well. I thought he defended that deep ball very well. Um, I thought our secondary had a good game overall. I tell you who... I think might be better than our secondary in the cornerback position. I think it might be our safeties. I mean, Malik Hooker looks incredible. Um, I know he missed that. I know he missed that play over the middle. Um, he kind of looked like he went for the interception for the ball hawk opportunity instead of the tackle, but he made up for it with an interception down the field later in the ball game um, where Diggs had help over the top. Um, so yeah, props to Malik Hooker. Honestly, um, our safety group looks fantastic. Jaron Curse with the other interception in the game, um, but yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I feel like stuff. you know, I talked about how the last two years it's really been mainly, you know, the defense is, you know, big part and then probably the main focal point of the Cowboys, and then just the first two games this year kind of just solidifies that it's just the defense is. You know, your defense is so good, it's kind of really hard to, you know, because it's not even like it's like a good defense or even a great defense. This is a dominating, dominant kind of defense. Like where, yes. where your defense is capable of getting you, you know, seven points from a touchdown and then maybe, you know, two touchdowns just from getting the turnovers itself because, you know, they'll probably get about – one to three turnovers a game. Of course, they're not going to get turnovers every single game. You know, just having a dominating defense, it's going to be really tough to kind of see maybe the Cowboys' offense at full strength firing all cylinders because there might not be too many games to where they have to um, they have to do that. And to be honest, if the Cowboys end up being a completely dominant team the way they're going, you know, they say the – MVP is a quarterback award, but you know you might have to 
Because you know you're not chalk that one up to my boy Parsons. Yeah, because you know if, some, <laughs> if if how I think the league. Okay, just hypothetically speaking, if it was to go down, the Cowboys have like the best record in football. All this, I would expect the reason why is because of a certain player on the defense, and then if the offensive player got it, the quarterback, it probably means it really does solidify it is a quarterback award. I, I will say I, I don't really care much for Dak to win an MVP. I would rather him win a Super Bowl. If Parsons won an MVP, I feel I feel like that would be a lot more fitting because I don't. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I've ever watched a more dominating player in my lifetime. I'm sorry, he just does so much more than other edge players. Um, and people ask how. Well, his versatility. You don't see other players. Uh, reading their keys as as good as Parsons is sideline to sideline, stripping the ball, like thinking of stripping the ball, thinking of scoring and, you know, oh, I wasn't touched, but I'm going to score here. And being able to play linebacker, being able to track people down, you can run after the uh, the recovery. I mean, dude, that's, he's just super he, – he just dominates, man. I mean, I'd, I'd love to have him on the pod and talk to him and and just just pick his brain on, you know, what it's like being a lion. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, let's get into our, uh, Dak on track little headline here. I'm going to sh- show his passing charts. We'll run through his stats. Just a little quick update on, you know, how he's been doing. Um, so here's his passing chart. Um, very different this week. There we go. This is from, uh, Marcus Mosher. So a lot of uh, taking a lot of shots underneath, you know, near the line of scrimmage, and the analyst will kind of give his take on why this is in in the two minute drill later on. Uh, but hey, thirty one of thirty eight, two hundred and fifty five yards, two touchdowns, zero turnovers. Uh, Would have liked to see more touchdowns on offense, like we like we talked about earlier with the red zone. But hey, I see a lot of green dots there. Um, I see the left side of the field being attacked. That looked looked a lot like those are all CD Lamb's targets, probably. Um, you got a couple downfield, one in completion deep, nothing in the middle of the field. There must have been a reason for that. Um, however, with this secondary, you kind of take what you what you're given, um, and we'll take 31 completions for 250 plus yards and no turnovers. Um, I don't know. What, what? How did you give me a quick grade on uh, Dak Prescott's performance? Uh, what did you think of of his performance on Sunday? Uh, well, I was like, as <laughs> like a as like a whole performance, you know, having to do what he actually did, like just say from a dominating performance, or you know, having to carry a team, I'd give his performance like a B plus B. But, I mean, he's not really having to do much, which there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. Just because he has, you know, 31 and 35 or whatever, uh, I would say about, you know, looking at the chart, probably 25, 26 of them were probably inside five yards, which is, I mean, I like I always said, I never, I never thought he was a great quarterback, but he is a good quarterback, and he's probably a great game manager. So, I mean, just grading it overall and 
not really having to do too much on offense. And, you know, once again, another week of probably good field position, having a lead, you know, B, B plus. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I agree with that grade. I'm actually going to go a B plus as well. I thought about an A minus, but I, I thought about while you were talking that we we mentioned a lot about Dak orchestrating his own offense. And so that would mean he plays a part in, you know, orchestrating the play calls near the near the goal line. So I think I want to take a little knock on on Dak there. And he missed a guy in the end zone. Um, he, he did scramble. Um Twice, I believe, for on third down for for good gains. I want to note his third down passing so far in the year. He's fifteen out of twenty one, one hundred and sixty yards and a touchdown with eleven first downs, and has two rushing first downs on third down. And he leads the NFL EPA per play on third down by a big margin. So, I think that's impressive. But I think B plus is a solid grade. Uh, I agree. Um. Yeah. There's just a lot of a lot of teams right now. Like <clears throat> it's so teams that are going against us, they really don't know how to play us when they're, we're on offense because most of the time we're going to have the lead. So then we can easily we can pretty much do what we want to do. You know, if we want to run the ball, we can run the ball. If we want to pass the ball, we can pass the ball. Because especially if our defense is going to be good field position, you know, every time you know defensive touchdowns. You know, with this offense, you know, it's going to be, I mean, Dak being a game manager doesn't, like, that's okay. That's what the Cowboys need. With a dominating defense like that, you don't need him to try to be a great quarterback because at the end of the day, he's not a great quarterback. He's a really good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. And when you say great, you're meaning, like, elite. Like, yeah, like elite. Top dog. Yeah, 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 that's fair. Yeah, so if you if you if this team needs Dak to be elite, this team is you know not going to win too many games. But if you know if you need him to be good, really good game manager, good man, get really good game manager, this team's going to win a lot of games. And then that's just the kind of the kind of Dak they need moving forward. Yeah, and my last comment on that would be we talked about him not playing outside of himself, and I think this offense really helps him. Um, but for the sake of time, we love talking about Dak. Um, but good points there. It's good for, I want fans to have both perspectives. That's why it's important to have, you know, a Dak, the Dak disciple and the Romo sapien on the spot. Um, and let's give our quick mamas, don't let your Cowboys headlines. And then we'll move on to our final segments. Um, all right, well, a little quick headline for you guys. So let's do the mamas. Don't uh, don't you Cowboys get inside the red zone because our play call. This is kind of a joke, but mamas don't let you Cowboys get inside the red zone because our play calling sucks. Um, I had a, a it was frustrating the hell out of us, you know, with full stomachs of ribs uh, watching that game. You know, I didn't even want to drink beer after you know watching this offense operate near the goal line against the Jets. However. Pretty solid defense, but I expect more. So, mamas, don't let your cowboys get inside the red zone because our play calling sucks. Just score from like their own thirty or something. Yeah, I'm gonna go with <laughs> mamas. Do not let your cowboys lose to the Cardinals because if they lose <laughs> to the Cardinals, it's gonna be bad. It's not gonna be good. 
And honestly, if anyone, if we beat, if we lose to the Cardinals, I won't, I don't care. If people, if they want to start talking shit to me, I do not care because I'm going to be like, you know what? Keep going. Hey, props Josh Dobbs. Yeah. <laughs> He's I'm a ball like, player. I'm not, not going to make any excuses. I'm just going to be like, you know what? Go ahead. You know, I'll take you know what? I'm gonna, no homo. I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to I'm going to go hardcore in defending the most outrageous takes that why we lost to the Cardinals and just make everybody's day painful. Uh I'm like 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 somebody like Ernie on on X. But uh yeah, if it's just funny cuz there's some something especially with you know mature Cowboys fans, you know, they don't they learn not to make excuses and then once you get past that, you you know, you're pretty much a you know, respectable Cowboys fan. But then you got the Cowboys fans who are not mature enough to. Vamanos vaqueros. <laughs> well, they're just like next. They're just trying to like make excuses and come up with every reason why the Cowboys did a certain thing. And I just learned not to be that Cowboys fan, so that's why I'm. I just tell it how it is. You know, if we lose because we lose, I'll be like, you know what? We. Hey, you have a good saying. Talk about you said you have 2020 vision, so I call it how I see it. I do Use have twenty. Eyes. Yeah, I have twenty twenty vision, so my eyes can see everything. Now my hearing is dog shit, but you know my <laughs> eyes—they work perfectly fine. Twenty twenty. That's right. <laughs> I, I think that's that should be a TED talk, dude. I think that's funny. <laughs> um, all right, a quick predictions for the Cowboys game. You know, obviously we probably both predicted dub here. Cardinals are tanking. My score prediction would be somewhere north of. I got 34 to 10, 34 to 13. Let's go 34 13 to be safe for the spread, I guess. 34 to 13, Dallas Cowboys. All right, good, good one. I got, I got 38, I got 38 to 10, and they'll probably get the 10th point with nine minutes left in the fourth, and then the Cowboys will stop scoring in the third. So instead of putting up 50, yeah. they put up in the 30s. And the only way we're going to get past 38 is if the defense starts scoring touchdowns towards the end to be trolls. <laughs> because yeah, it's going exactly. like, to it's it's feel like we scored 50 points, but it's really going to be like in the 30s because they're probably just going to be like, eh. you know, they're, they're probably like, you know, Buda Baker's out. Dodge is a quarterback. I feel sorry for him because he's about to get absolutely manhandled by the the defense of ours, <clears throat> you know, I don't know, I don't know who the second wide receiver is for the Cardinals, but I don't see how they're going to get past Gilmore or Diggs. James Conner about to be put in a coffin. It's yeah. just, yeah, poor, poor team. If if we somehow lose something, like I said, I'm not making excuses. Shit happens. Yeah. Then Stephen A. Smith has the right to say those things. Then he does. Um. All right, well, let's quickly let's get into our two-minute drill presented by the medical guy and the analyst. We'll start with the medical guy's analysis. Uh, I'll read off this one, and then I'll let you read off the statistical analysis. Um, but just just because I know that there's some uh, there's some tough words in this first one, I know you don't like words very much. Uh, so we wanted to start with our like a quick little medical analysis on Nick Chubb. Um, so 
The medical guy said it looked like a knee dislocation. You know, ACL, MCL, PCL, LCL, menisci are all most likely damaged. The things to worry about are the ligaments, soft tissue, and bone structure. And he has to consider blood supply and vascular and neural structures because if those are compromised, then the ligaments are the least of Chubb's worries. So it's definitely a season-ending injury for Chubb. Just pray it isn't career-ending because this is the second time that, unfortunately, that Chubb has dislocated that same knee. Um, and just a gruesome injury to, to watch and a gruesome picture to see that was posted on Twitter. There's been some controversy about whether they should have replayed it or not. They chose not to. Um, smart or not smart, I really don't care. I just think it's awful for Nick Chubb. Such a great running back, great career. Hopefully he's able to return. Um but yeah, that's that's the medical analysis is from the med guy. Med guy. Um, what do we got I'll from the analyst? Well, before I go there, I'll tell you what. Luckily, that was not in Cleveland because if that was in Cleveland, Mika Fitzpatrick was not making it out of Cleveland that night. You know, besides LeBron James, Nick Chubb is a lover in Cleveland, and you know, a hit like that, you know, wasn't maybe a necessary hit. And it just sucks to see someone like Nick Chubb, who is just, you know, good NFL running back, who seems like a good guy off the field. It just really sucks to see something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So, statistical analysis, Dak Prescott's passing chart by the analyst. It is... <clears throat> it's a reflection of the Texas Coast offense. While a lot of passes were caught at or near the line of scrimmage, this was expected as the Jets' defense is stellar. With eight wide receivers with touches, Dallas is very focused on creating a rhythm for Dak with his improved footwork, aligning that footwork with his receivers, protecting the football, and allowing their playmakers to make plays. The offense has had zero reason to open up the playbook. I expect an expansion of the offense against Belichick, then the 49ers. And then he says, side note. <laughs> side note, fellas. Side note. This is a community note on X right now. It says, this is a major reflection of what Mike McCarthy sees in this team and the reason he disagreed with Kellen Moore. <coughs> we have come out of the offseason with the realization we lean defensively as a team with an offensive bill on efficiency. No shit. That's what I've been saying for like three years now. Anyway, no problem with <laughs> no problem with a clean 250-yard game from Dak when we win by 25-plus because it's about winning, not stat-watching and scoring 45-plus. Like I've been saying for like four years now. Huge credit to McCarthy for stepping away from Kellen Moore. No bad blood there. Still a good OC. And for re- realizing what Dallas needed to do to take this team to the next level. This is a veteran coaching that Dallas has not had in our lifetime since Jimmy Johnson. And a big old screw you to the people that said McCarthy was nothing without A-Rod. He has changed the culture for the better. The analyst with the statistical analysis (laughs) of Dak Prescott's passing chart. You've been saying that shit for like four years. (laughs) That's just cracking me up. Um... You know, you just had a mouthful pause, but we got the kids' picks, volume two. 
Um, the props came out pretty early this week. You were able to go on there and find three different legs. Um, shit, honestly, I forgot to get a little recap of how the picks went last week, but I think I don't think Ridley made it because it was a a stump of a game <clears throat> from him. You know, he had the targets, the volume to hit. He just he didn't hit. Uh, he only got two receptions or whatever. And then I think Alave was your second one, right? Yeah, Alave he hit. Alave hit. Alave hit. And then of course, oh, uh, Kirk Cousins Kirk. interceptions. Yeah, we got a fumble. We didn't get an interception, but uh, one out of three. Um, but hey, nothing like another parlay to go with. So, what are your three kids' picks for the upcoming NFL Sunday slate? Yeah, so what we're gonna do is we got Brandon Ayuk with fifty-three and a half receiving yards over, and then we got Jordan Addison with forty-five and a half receiving yards over. And then we got Nico Collins at 53 and a half receiving yards over. You know, we're going all over. And we got Brandon Ayuk versus the Giants, Jordan Addison versus the Chargers, and Nico Collins versus the Jacksonville Jaguars. Some pretty solid matchups there. I like uh, my favorite one out of that group is Jordan Addison. I think, you know, back-to-back games with – you know, uh, a touchdown and I think 60-plus receiving yards. He should be He should be a lock. I think he clears. The only t- if it doesn't – if these don't hit, especially the Jordan Addison one, is probably because Price Picks has made a call to the NFL and they're tired of people – because they're going to have to – either going to have to take that prop off or they're going to have to bump it up to like 65 yards. And, you know, instead of doing that, They'll do one week, which would be this week. Where they'll go tell the Vikings, do not throw him the ball. Let everybody go over on that shit because it's so low. And then, you know, they're going to take the money. Prize picks, the biggest pocket watchers on the planet. However, they do have the best insurance policy. And you know why they have that? Because they're pocket watching to begin with. <laughs> Keep a third eye open. Like I said, I have 20-20 vision for a reason. My eyes see everything, so I know what I can see. I know I'm not. I know this is not a lie, but my hearing is dog shit. So that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> yeah, Goodall's about to make the call, or Goodell. I mean, it's gonna make the call. Well, let's get into our brand new segment. Figured we'd probably have a little segment for myself. Uh, so based off of our saying, "Good looks," we got the Rooks looks. This is our little stardom situm. Fantasy football, I'm going to pick two stardoms, two sit-ems. Um, so my first stardom is going to be Puka, from the wide receiver from the Rams. This might be an obvious one, but some people might be not be paying attention too hard. And they, they have them on the waivers, and they have three guys in their starting lineup that they think are going to be excellent. But this is a good one if you're kind of low on wide receiver on your roster and you want to insert that third guy instead of going with those you know, that third running back who might be in a committee. You know, this is somebody that's getting great target volume. He looks white, so Stafford's probably going to throw to him. And, of course, there's no Cooper Cup. Um, next is tight end from Detroit, Sam Laporta. Start him. He's got an 83% snap percentage, five-plus targets in his first two games. 
It's only going to increase as we go on. RIP Brock Wright. So start Puka Nakua and Sam Laporta in your fantasy leagues. Um, sit Hollywood Brown, the Arizona wide receiver from uh, from the Ravens. Dallas secondary and their pass rush. The team's tanking. It's a good wide receiver, but it's a bad, bad week for fantasy. So sit Hollywood Brown in your league. And then, of course, sit TikTok boy, Juju Smith-Schuster. He's flat-out terrible, and his knee is going to combust at any time. I mean, it's spontaneous combustion. Me and the medical guy talked about it last week. And his usage has been terrible. They don't they don't target it. They view him. There was a rumor they view him as like the third or fourth best receiver on their roster. I've always said don't touch New England's players for fantasy. So start Puka, start Sam Laporta, sit Hollywood Brown and sit Juju. And those are my Rooks looks for the track pod. Hey, my, <laughs> the, that, those are good. That's funny because the 12-man league, I have Puka, but I also have a bunch of good wide receivers. So then I'm like, hmm, what should I do with that? Because, you know, I got about <laughs> 50 wide receivers on that team. So yeah. Gonna... I was looking at trades today, uh, and I, I just haven't been able to have time to – I mean, I have two trades – right now that were sent to me that I haven't even gotten a chance to look at. So I apologize, guys. I will get to your trades. I work a job. I do this podcast, and I, I have three jobs, okay? I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to probably look at them, too. I haven't really been uh, too much on my phone today. You know, been working. I worked a 10-hour shift. You know? Yeah. 10-hour mm-hmm. shift, shift, and came on this shit and started talking football and all that football uh well let's let's roll into our final segment of the day before we get to our final segment of the day (laughs) um is our power rankings our top 10 power rankings for the nfl um let's just list the teams out there uh we'll go start from we don't really have to give too much of a reason well, let's just get them out there so people kind of have an idea of where, where our heads are at. We'll start at 10. We'll move to 1. I'll let you start it out. All right. At number 10, I got Rams. I know they're one-on-one, but they look a lot better with Stafford being healthy, and I think they'll be a lot better when they get their playmakers back. Number 2, I got the Lions. The Lions will be better because they will have to use Jamar Gibbs. They don't have a choice anymore. I think it's going to make them a lot more explosive. You mean, hold on, so you got 10 Rams, 9 Lions, right? Yeah, yeah, 9, nine Lions. Okay, okay. They have to use Gibbs now. They're going to be more explosive. They don't have a choice. And if they don't <laughs> use him, then they're really trying to lose games. Number 8, I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Big team that I like. I like their quarterback. I like their weapons. Their line is still very bad. They got a couple of things. You know, they're a little rusty. You know, there'll be a team that's good towards the end of the year. They might lose a couple games here and there, but they'll be a good team moving forward. Number Agreed. seven, I got the Bills. They still have Josh Allen. He struggled week one. He bounced back week two. They do probably need to trade for another weapon on the outside. Maybe um, maybe a running back kind of deal. You know, I would I know they got James Cook, but you know, JT wouldn't be bad. Also, you gotta remember Von Miller will be coming back soon. The defense will be better. And what? Number six. Sorry. I I thought someone like I was like, what? <laughs> number six. I got the Eagles. 
Eagles have been Ooh. Eagles are still a good team. However, they've been struggling all year. They're one of the more least dominant number two teams so far. Uh, they still have a lot of they have a lot of injuries on the defense, especially the secondary. <coughs> Hassan Reddick is a no show in the first two games. After getting a defensive player of the year vote over Micah Parsons, don't ask me, but we'll just see that and yeah, just smoothly go past that one. Yeah, and then the Eagles' offense has not looked the same. Uh, they'll be better, you know, by the time they play the Cowboys. Number five, I got Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Uh, even being an injury-riddled team, they still play exceptionally well. I think that even though the Bengals are a little bit struggling, they did this last year too. I don't think the Bengals are to be messed with. Lamar Jackson looks very good uh, yesterday, and Zay Flowers looks like a weapon who's going to be here for quite some time. Number four, I got the Chiefs. The Chiefs are still, you know, they're going to be rusty on both ends, especially with Travis Kelsey missing games. They have a really bad wide receiver core. They got the best quarterback in the league. Chris Jones needs a couple of games. I expect their defense to get better. Week by week, I think they'll be a good playoff or defensive playoff team, but it's only week two, so I got them at four. All right. I'm trying to go quick. Sorry. No, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Number, th- <laughs> number three, I got the Dolphins. Uh, the only limitations I have with the Dolphins is their quarterback, and that's just you know he's an accurate quarterback, but you know sometimes he doesn't have a arm strength to make certain throws with their weapons or weapons are going to keep them in games and sometimes their defense uh, struggles a little bit. And this is why I have the other two teams in front of them because of a defense. Number two, I got San Francisco. Uh, 49ers still have a very good defense. You know, they haven't played really good competition. See how that sounds when I say that? Yeah, screw you, Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) They haven't really really played that much competition. Um, Brock Purdy is looking a little Mr. Relevant at the moment. Uh, but Brandon Ayuk looks like he's a serviceable number two. Uh, Debo looks like a good running back. And Christian McCaffrey is the best running back in the league. They'll be a team to not mess with in the NFC. Number one, I got the Dallas Cowboys. The most dominant defense in the league. Already the most turnovers. Best defensive player in the league. Probably the second best player in the whole league. They have the offensive line is playing spectacular, even though they don't have um, Tyler Smith, their starting left guard. Tyron Smith looks like the old him. Zach Martin's a little banged up, but he'll be fine. And Dak Prescott isn't turning over the ball. CeeDee Lamb is, you know, showing how good he is to be a number one, second year being a number one. And the Cowboys are only going to get healthier, and their defense is only going to be more dominant. And that sums up my top 10 NFL power rankings. Hell yeah. Solid breakdown. Solid rundown there. I like the Rams at 10. I almost, I almost put them in my my top 10. Um, I got I got the Jets at 10 to start off my thing. I think they need to trade for a quarterback. And if that happens, I think they're solidified top 10 team, top 10 team with their roster. Um, I think they need to start trusting the run game. Um, the Jaguars at nine, you know, T-Law needs to kind of work on his pocket awareness and his timing. I think he needs to kind of deal with the fact that he doesn't have, he has a below average line and kind of remember that from last year, but not a bad start. I don't, I don't think they look bad in any means. They got the weapons to do some damage in their division. Number eight, I got the Browns. 
Now, after last night, I don't really know why I have them in here. So I'm going to switch them with the Jaguars and throw the Browns at nine because I'm still kind of impressed with the way they've started. But uh, with Chubb, yeah, with Chubb out and Watson, you know, playing like he is, they don't deserve to be in the top 10. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put the let's restart because I don't like that at all. I don't know what I'm thinking. I got the Rams at 10, the Jets at 9, Jaguars at 8. Now we're back on track. 7, I got the Bills. Allen, he had a good bounce back uh, week 2 there. The run game's looking pretty good. Looks like they actually may have one with uh, James Cook. Um, Number 6, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they need help at wide receiver. Um, Kadarius Phoney is only having like a 25% snap percentage in his first two weeks. And I think, I think he has played atrocious for them. I think he's all hype and all name. Uh, Kelsey's been on a pitch count, but he'll get back to square one. Um, probably this upcoming week or the week after the defense looks good. Like I've mentioned before. So chiefs at six. Now for my top five, the, the Ravens at five. So we were, we were locked on, on that. Um, a good chance to win the division. Now that they've beaten the, the Bengals at least once, um, I think they're winning while they're unhealthy, which is a big thing for Baltimore. Um, Lamar is playing pretty good. He, now he has weapons, um, even though they might be a little banged up. Bad news for the Ravens, Odo Beckham Jr. is rumored to be seeing Kim Kardashian. So I'm not sure what will happen to Odo Beckham or the team, but this is not the first time that Odo Beckham has put a curse on an NFL franchise. So. <laughs> <laughs> number four is Miami. Tua looks good, and the coaching looks even better, and he has the best weapons in the league. If they can hold this position until the about around December, they can get Jalen Ramsey back and continue that momentum into the playoffs. Having a defense that can cover for a quarterback like Tua, who I don't know, I really don't have much bad things to say about Tua. I was going to, but you know, they, I think they're fine. Um, their scheme works well with the weapons that they have, obviously. But number three, uh, the Eagles. Uh, they'll figure out their offense pretty soon. Um, Hertz has some early passing struggles so far to the beginning of the year. They had that wet, rainy game the first week. Um, had a, an interesting game the second week against a Minnesota team that, you know, has good a good chance to, to play well, but they have had an atrocious start, and they were able to hold the lead and get the run game going, so I think they'll be fine. Um, number two, Got the San Francisco 49ers, uh, like the kid, you know, dominating defense. I think there's limits to Purdy, though. I think there are ways you can beat the 49ers, and I think it's to pressure Purdy. Um, but nonetheless, they got a great route running receiver and a blocker downfield in Brandon Ayuk. They got a great jet sweep and running back in Debo Samuel, and they have the best running back in the league, Christian McCaffrey. And they've got you've got a tight end that can play seven great games a year and beat her ass in the in the playoffs every year. So Hopefully we'll be able to flip the script, shatter the script with Dallas at number one with the most dominating defense. This is the most complete that the franchise has ever looked, and I will be heartbroken come January. But uh, yeah. we'll see. But, yeah, I got three NFC teams in my uh, top three, um, and that breaks down my power rankings. I almost put I almost put the commanders at 10, too. I almost did. God, that's intriguing. The only, the only thing that stopped me was that they played the Broncos – and the Cardinals. Those are the only two reasons why I did not put them in the top ten. <laughs> you could put the Giants, bro. They won a playoff. Uh, they won a, a a road playoff game last year. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, the reason why I put the Ravens 
on there is because Lamar won an MVP in 2019, so I didn't I didn't see why I shouldn't put him in there. Oh yeah, he won the MVP in 2019, so like yeah, he should yeah he should be number one. Uh, yeah, and then our our last thing of the pod, and then we'll get out of here is the is our quitting time segment, um, records of the week. This is our outstanding stats, music picks, lyrics, artists, all of the above. Um, the kid, I'll let you go first. Well, for mine, I got last night by Morgan Wallen, and then it goes, and the lyrics it is is. Last night we let the liquor talk, and just all about you know sometimes when you're having a few cold ones and maybe a little bit you know sometimes you do things you don't want to do and you say things and then you look back at it the next day and you just think oh you know might have said some things when we were drunk but you know nothing nevertheless it's never anything too bad it's just one of those things where you just kind of you know. Look at it and say, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. You know, I was being feeling a little bit out of my character, but it happens and we all move forward. And Morgan Wallen, last night, record of the week. Respect. That's respect right there. A lot of Morgan Wallen records of the week in our in our agenda here. Mine is a little different. I'm taking up on the medical guy's approach on the records of the week. I like his little spin on it. Um, shout out to uh, Baker Mayfield. Um yeah, dude, he's been fantastic on third down. Um, I, I I read Dak Prescott's third down stats earlier in the pod. Baker so far on third down is 20 of 23, 201 passing yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, zero sacks, 132.1 passer rating. The Bucks are 2-0. They're going to the Super Bowl. Now, uh, Baker Mayfield, you are finally a starting quarterback. So Mayfield, you are a Cleveland Brown. You are a Cleveland Brown. Kareem Hunt, you are a Cleveland Brown. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that's my record of the week. Baker Mayfield, shaky Mayfield. Um, per usual, this wraps up our podcast. We always close out with the records of the week. This is going to be our format from here on out. Uh, we got, you know, covering all the slates of the NFL recap and transitioning into the Cowboys game, having the two-minute drill, kids' picks, rooks' looks, all of it. Um, so fantastic pod. We can't wait to do the press conference coming up. Um, we're recording this pretty late tonight, so we're, we're, we're diving deep. We're diving deep. You know, you love to see the boys working their asses off. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so follow the socials. You know, go to Instagram. Good bicep there. Follow the Instagram at track.pod for any inquiries. You can, you know, contact our messaging system on there. Um, we're on Twitter at the track pod. Um, TikTok, the same thing, track.pod. You can find us there. You can find pretty much just video content on there. If you like TikTok and you like to like things on there, you know, I, it's more popular to like videos on TikTok. So go over there. But uh, it's a lot easier for edit, to edit my videos too. But, um, yeah, so follow us on the socials. Um, and then check us out on um, every Friday uh, for the next two weeks. Well, this upcoming Friday and next Friday, um, the Analyst and the Rook and the Jedi are in the broadcast booth uh, commentating high school football. And there's a we'll put the link out there for you guys to see. 
Um, it's a pretty fantastic thing to watch. And if you're from the Montgomery, you know, Woodlands area, you know, that part of uh, North Montgomery, you might want to tune in and watch, uh, watch the high school team play. We do a fantastic job and we enjoy doing it. So this is track 14, the lion per usual, the kid, I'm the Rook. See you guys next Wednesday. See you guys later, guys.